I want to share the story of the jealous woman. Romans 11, 11. The story of the jealous woman. We've all been in school when we rejected someone. We didn't choose them, but someone else did. And when that someone else chose whom we rejected, all of a sudden we wanted them back. We wanted them back because we couldn't have them for ourselves. And now we see their value. Something that you rejected that now you wanted back. Men do that with men. Friendship. They do it with women. The wife that you rejected. I don't want you, but I don't want anyone else to have you. Very interesting. It says in Romans chapter 11. I'd like to read it to you. Let's start with verse 1. In that case, I say, isn't it that God repudiated his people? Heaven forbid, for I myself am a son of Israel. Ah, there's a true son of Israel. I'm from the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not repudiated his people, rejected his people, turned from them, really? No, whom he chose in advance. Or don't you know what the Tanakh says about Eliyahu? He pleads with God against Israel. Adonai, they've killed your prophets, they've torn down your altars, and I'm the only one left. And now they want to kill me too. But what is God's answer to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not knelt down to Baal. 7,000 who have not turned for me. 7,000 who have not given in to the world system. It's the same way in this present age, Paul said, and that was 2,000 years ago, he wrote this letter, gave this sermon. There is a remnant, there's always a remnant chosen by grace. Now, if it is by grace, it was by grace then, so I hate to tell you people, grace existed in the Tanakh, in the Torah, in the Old Testament. Now, if it is by grace, it is accordingly not based on legalistic work. If it were otherwise, Grace would no longer be grace, and grace has always been grace because God has always been God. What follows is that Israel has not attained the goal for which she is striving. The ones chosen have attained it. Think about that. That's a harsh reality, isn't it? You, many of you may have to face. You're not chosen. But the rest have been made stone-like just as the Tanakh says. Have you ever wondered why people just seem they're not getting it? I worked for a man for 26 years. No matter how kind, no matter how holy, no matter how many miracles he saw, he refused to get it. In fact, he became harder against me, against God, and he became even more wicked. He couldn't take it any longer. God has given them a spirit of dullness eyes that do not see. Have you ever wondered, after all you've done, all of your kindness, all of your prayers, all of your love, they still look bad and down on you? How is it possible? Someone wickeder than you, less than you in many ways, looks down on you. 
In the last days, good will be considered evil and evil considered good. They will talk behind your back more than they would a serial killer, a murderer, a drunk. Amazing. And ears that do not hear right down to the present day. And David says, let their dining table become for them a snare and a trap, a pitfall and a punishment. Let their eyes be darkened so that they can't see with their backs bent continually. You have people, mentors, prophets, people that speak into your life. For some strange reason, you seem more against them. And even when they helped you through your suicide, through your drunkenness, through your weakness, through your divorce, through your depression, through your loneliness, gave you love, but you still consider yourself superior spiritually and morally to the one who pulled you out of your pit. Amazing. In that case, I say, isn't it that they have stumbled with the result that they have permanently fallen away? Heaven forbid. Quite on the contrary. It is by means of their stumbling that the deliverance has come to the Gentiles in order to provoke them to jealousy. Moreover, if their stumbling is bringing riches to the world, that is, if Israel being placed temporarily in a condition less favored than that of the Gentiles, is bringing riches to the, to the Gentiles, how much greater riches was Israel in its fullness bring them? Think about that. There are many people who are very kind and go out of their way. They haven't had as much time with you. They don't know much about you. They don't even have the inheritance of the relationship or the trust. And it's that person that doubles down. It is that person who so wants what they've never had. That person who can see what they've never seen. And you've had them with you always a prophet in your family, a prophet that was your friend. Jesus said a prophet is without honor in his own town. He could not do miracles because of their own belief amongst his own kin. It's not unusual that your family members are going through all kinds of emotional, mental, spiritual, relational stress in their marriages and children. Many of even your disciples those of you who are prophets, ministers, pastors, priests to the people. But do they call you? Do they seek your instruction, your guidance, your care, your advice or your counsel? Do they go out of their way to even say thank you? They'll pay thousands of dollars for drugs and for psychiatrists, but not for you. Do they ask you questions? You know, I always tell many of my friends, that no matter how much you're worth on a bank accounting book, you can live like a rich man in this regard, how they're always consulting their attorney, their accountant, and their expert opinions. Doesn't take money to afford that. It takes knowing someone who's an expert 
someone reliable, someone you can depend on and count on to tell you the truth when no one else will and to know that they tell you that truth without an agenda, do you pick up the phone and call them? Many of you will call a doctor before you'll call me to pray for you. You'll call the doctor, but you won't call me to pray for you. You see how that works? And what do you say? Well, I didn't want to bother you, but you wanted to bother the doctor. You'll call the counselor, the drug counselor, the secular organization. Do you call the man of God? Do you call that woman of God who's, who's a woman mentoring other women? Do you say, listen, or do you take it upon yourself to do it all yourself? The Lord never told us to do that. But you got to pray for yourself, too. You can call and ask me to pray for you, but are you praying? You can call me to ask me to fast for you, but are you fasting? Very important. The jealousy. I know a young man in the military who met me through another of my guys in the military. And recently, he's calling me more than the first guy in the military that I mentored. And hungrier. Sometimes the newest kid on the block is the hungriest kid on the block. The other ones are sitting at the dining table, like it says in Romans 11.10, and are no longer thankful for the meal in front of them, no longer thankful for the food in front of them no longer appreciating the cook or the chef and complimenting them for it, no longer asking for more, please. No, they don't need you anymore. So God raises up some new blood. That's what he did with the Gentiles that will chase him, hungry, thirsting after him. And in the hope that maybe you, who were first out the gate, will start to realize you stopped valuing whom God has sent you. You stop valuing the Lord. You stop valuing his word. You're no longer hungry and thirsty after righteousness. Find me where 
Oh 